passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rewinder Rods. John Pollock and Wei Ting kicking off another week here at Post Wrestling. Welcome aboard. Hello, everyone. Hi, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing great. All very, right. Very good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah, dealing with a bit of a canker sore, so apologies. Oh, I'm boy. I'm not my usual, uh, you know, talkative self. I'll like do my best. The- the worst okay outside of like a terminal illness it's just the worst okay it's up there in terms of pain yes why why do they happen why do they exist you know i don't know i i, I was looking into some research and so like i i I'm, sometimes I'm, it's stress related are you doing okay well i'm surprised that it's like the research is so inconclusive considering i, I don't know how long human beings have probably been dealing with them um it's yeah, like I, I mean, it's just for, some people say it's hereditary. Some people say it's stress related. So I, I could be could be any of those things. Is this day one, day two? I think I'm like, an, I like, I think I'm like past the worst of it. I think yesterday was probably the worst. Yeah. So a couple salt water gargles. I mean, man, that's key. That's key. If you if if you don't attend to it, it'll just stay there. Um, I guess. I mean, I would hope eventually it would heal. If I didn't, even if I didn't do that, but yeah. I don't know. I don't have patience for that kind of stuff. I'll just like just do the salt water. I, yeah, salt salt water is very good, but it takes mm-hmm. takes a few to really yeah. tell them, hey, you're not gonna do. You ever, you ever have any two in a row and then they join? No, is oh. that what you're dealing with? Or I, is don't, that a pass? I don't have that. Mine is no. pretty big. It's in the back of my uh, of the mouth too. But like, yeah, sometimes like you get two small ones and then they become one giant one. Wow, it's like the so, Spice Girls song. It's exactly that. Yeah. I think that's what the, the they got that song from. Okay. Canker source. For more on this, we will be doing small talk on Tuesday evening on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, this is a, a a branch of our world-renowned talk editions for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. We will be uh, putting this show up on Tuesday evening, talking about canker sores and catching up with one another and our lives. Because when we don't do these catch-ups, this is the kind of stuff that floors me that I am uh, stunned by. So we will do a, a great review of our lives with, uh, with the two of us. Tuesday night on the cafe, we have three cafe shows this week. In addition to small talk, we're going to be doing rewind to SmackDown Friday night at 11 following SmackDown, following Rampage and then Sunday, another show on the cafe. Way and I will review Wrestle Kingdom 
17 part two. Plus, we will also chat about the highlights of the Muto final bye-bye show as we say goodbye to the no, great no, no, no. The, the muta final bye-bye the yeah Mudo that's what fi- i'm saying muta yes well, oh i thought you said muto because that's to come later yes this is our final bye-bye to muta but it is our not so goodbye to keiji muto who will still grace us with his presence next month at the tokyo dome i mean if ever there was a guy that has milked the retirement uh Keiji Muto is getting all he can out of it over this past year. So we'll talk about that as he teams up with Sting and Darby Allen for a um, six-man tag that I, I was not assuming this would be the match at the end of it all. But this is how we will say goodbye to the great Muto with Hakushi. Yeah, yeah. Certainly an interesting pairing. We will talk about it all. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. As well as this uh, LIJ versus Congo-themed Wrestle Kingdom 17, which I wonder how many people will be watching compared to the first. Probably a lot less. It's it's a nice card, but it is not one of those, oh my God, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and make sure that I'm watching this. I don't think it's going to be – it doesn't feel to me anywhere, anywhere close to the Tokyo Dome a few weeks ago. None. And you have to pay a separate fee. To watch. Yeah, that's on top of it. I mean, you're getting a card that, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm sure it'll be a fine card. The top two matches look great with uh, uh, Keno and Naito and then Nakajima against Shingo Takagi. But yes, this is a, a cost in addition to your New Japan World subscription. And then it will be popping up on New Japan World. Um, I think it's it's several days later. I don't have the exact date off the top of my head. But if you don't need to watch it immediately, it will be popping up, I think, on both Wrestle Universe and New Japan World like they did last year. So you can you can uh, be a bit patient and get this card in time. So anyway, that will be up there. Cafe members uh, at all levels will get that show on Sunday. $6 gets you in the door archive of all the rewind aways and a very special show that we are planning for next week so maybe we will uh shed some light on that on wednesday as we are uh in deep negotiations also uh this thursday i will be back with the wellness policy with my good friends jordan goodman and our man neil flanagan uh we we will be welcoming on the drummer of the band uh periphery matt halpern to talk about anxiety so that's very exciting i'm looking forward to that tuesday uh thursday 2 p.m eastern time i will send the link out to all the patrons out there but it's available for free for everybody to watch 2 p.m eastern time right here at youtube.com slash post wrestling okay whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com. a lot of shows coming up this weekend as well we will have coverage of ufc 283 on the site and we want to give a big shout out to bachelor no more chris ely mimosa chris uh, proposing to his now fiance and giving us the uh, the exclusive on the NWA podcast over the weekend. So congratulations to Chris from LA, a, a long time, long time supporter and now part of the, uh, the post wrestling universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a chance to meet, uh, well, uh, Chris, of course, well, we met Chris several times, I guess, but, uh, we had a chance to meet his fiance for the first time and, uh, uh, lovely person from the little we got to speak to her. So congratulations, Chris, and all the best to you. Yeah. The way he had a real nice moment with Chris at the restaurant where he took Chris aside and he was like, Chris, don't mess this one up. And Chris was like, okay, you're right way. I, I need to move on this. So, uh, congratulations to, to Chris taking away his advice. Uh, do you think we'll get invited? Um, pr- probably not. And I would not be offended in the least. Understood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we can send like a singing telegram or something. Uh, you could, you could do that. 
Sure. I, I don't even know if you could, if that's even available as a service these days. In LA, they do everything. I'll bet. Sure. If, yeah. if you can think of it, they, they will provide it via courier. So anyway, okay. we have lots of time to, to think of a, a great gift. You know what I saw over the weekend? I found this a Top Gun Maverick. Ah, I watched it uh, not that long ago myself. It was great. It was really it's good. Fantastic movie. Yeah. I've never seen the first Top Gun. Neither have I. And I didn't Ooh. care. I was like, I haven't seen the first don't one. Don't need to. No, you don't. Like my wife has seen the first one. She's like, you know, she's like, ah, this is this character. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine. And I sat down. It's like two hours and 10 minutes. This is on Saturday. I'm like, I'm not going to watch this whole thing. This is over two hours. And like 30 minutes in, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm watching this whole thing. I was pretty. Most movies these days, John, are over two hours is what I've, I've come to recognize. Yeah. But I've got just, uh, I, I don't have a good attention span. I, the more I sit down and 80% of my viewing encompasses me taking notes, it's very hard for me to sit and do nothing and just watch something. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling as though I really? should be doing something. It's very hmm. hard to flip a switch. So much of everything I watch now is is note related. Well, you could take notes and just not publish them anywhere. I take notes when when we watch this. I take notes when I like read books. It's like I uh huh. it's it's just a uh I don't know. Okay. Well, just the way I'm wired now. But Top Gun Maverick, I I love this. I think I'm going to watch the first one now. I, yeah, I've been meaning to watch the first one. Just don't tell me what don't tell me what happens to to Goose. <laughs> okay, well, you probably shouldn't have watched the second one then. Um, but you know, this is one that I, I can I wish complain? I, is that a spoiler that they gave me in Top Gun Maverick? Can I well, complain I mean, about that? I was sequel. going. Well, I was been, going to watch the first one after a few decades. I, I think after ten years, you you could spoil uh, a movie. Okay. But this is one I, I kind of like Maverick was, was one I definitely kind of wish I saw in theaters. Dude, you know? watching this was like, this would be incredible, like on yeah. IMAX or just a regular. Th- this was a movie that was certainly I can understand why it did so well in theaters. You would want to watch this. We're approaching like and not to say like Top Gun Maverick will be up for any sort of um, significant Oscars, although maybe for like, you know, best sound design or something like that. But like, are, wasn't are it you, the largest box office of the year? Like. I don't know, something like that. But we're I don't, talking I don't about, think Avatar beat it. Um, like Avatar was only out for like not three in twenty twenty three. I don't, I don't know. Um, chat room, feel free to correct. Anyway, it was up there. That means that it, like that's something to me. Like why it's should definitely. this be dismissed? There should be a category for a movie like this. I don't think fun, that's... fun, stupid movie like that would be a great category at the Oscars. Uh, it, it might get more people to watch the Oscars. Um, but but uh, do do you keep up with like? You know, Oscar buzz. Like, do you, do you make an effort to watch Oscar films or any nominated films or anything like that? Not particularly, no. Okay, right. You do okay. though. Sometimes, you? yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's always good to know like what what people are talking about. So, um, I I guess I I don't really know what what people are buzzing about too much these days. When, when are the Oscars? Next month, February. Aren't they usually March? February, March. Yeah. In, yeah. In that- uh, I'm gonna dread the uh, the week before the Oscars, where we're gonna get a million think pieces on analyzing the slap from last year. We're gonna have to do a retrospective. Where were you when? Mm. Like, we, um, have no, we have no other creative ways to talk about the Oscars, so we're gonna talk about the slap from last year. Well, I mean, I'm sure it'll be referenced on the broadcast by you know whichever comedian hosts yeah. this year. Do you think it's fair that Will Smith uh, is banned from attending? Is that is that what it is? 
He can't attend this year. That's my understanding. Can he be nominated in the future? Like, was there a decision? I believe so, but I don't think he can attend. Okay. Well, for one year, he can't attend. I don't know if it's one year. I'm I'm surprised because that's fine. (laughs) Don't you think it's punishment enough that he has to walk around and know that he has the shame of uh, getting on stage and and delay his next movie by by a a week? week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is about his personal life. Okay. Everything else doesn't matter. There should not have to be any consequences for Will Smith. He, everyone knows him now as the guy that slapped Chris Rock. That is, that is enough punishment. Yeah. Uh, so, so what I'm learning from this discussion is uh, how completely unaware we are of anything out there besides professional wrestling, because uh, the chat room is basically correcting every single thing that we've just mentioned. Avatar beat Top Gun. The Oscars are February, not March. I said February. Oh, okay, I, I said March. Whatever. Who cares? We're here to talk about professional wrestling. They're uh, March 12th, March 12th, 2003. Where are these people getting their information? Oh, so a fact of, I'm trying to, uh, we got to correct you, Brian. It's fe- March. Of course we, it's Brian. We were right. Google in the uh, the chat room. Yeah, we were right. You were wrong. But thank well, you for listening anyway. Anyway. Well, there we go. Um, yeah. Are, we, are you going to watch the Oscars or no? I mean, I'll watch it like I did last year, probably through Twitter. And if something, you know, monumental happens that the entire world is talking about, I might switch on. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Um, We've got some news to discuss here. Not a not a crazy night of news. But regardless, uh, Fightful reported that uh, executives held another meeting at Raw with talent tonight in Cincinnati with uh, Paul Levesque, Kevin Dunn and Dan Ventrell, the VP of talent, uh, part of this meeting, pretty much going over what they did on Friday to the SmackDown talent, just reiterating Paul Levesque stating on Friday that I'm still in charge of creative tonight saying, yeah, really, I'm in charge of creative and that talent relations is not changing, uh, denying the reports that the company had been sold last week. So it just seems, you know, uh, kind of your boiler room uh, speech that they gave SmackDown, applying it to the raw talent as well. And we'll see if there's any executive shakeups in the next couple of days or board members leaving. Um, I don't know if you are talent, if I'm sure you are wanting to believe all of this. And I'm sure there are many that are skeptical of, you know, what what can be said versus what is going to be happening, because I think a lot of it is out of many people's control. Yeah, I have to imagine most talents hearing speeches like this are probably eye rolling. You know, um, and not trusting these words. Um, I mean, and, and if you're somebody like a Triple H, I suppose you have to do stuff like this just as part of your job. Um, you're noticing a lot of chatter and, and you've got to do certain things to maybe try to calm that discussion down. But ultimately, I think everybody should know by now that it's actions that speak louder than words. Beyond that, um, just going back to this weekend, the Hard to Kill pay-per-view took place on Friday and I would say the most notable thing coming out of the show beyond, you know, it was a very well-received show and a lot of uh, praise for the main event with uh, Mickey James winning the knockouts title, the full mayhem match, but also the news that Frankie Kazarian has signed with impact wrestling. And he did an interview with uh, Mike Johnson at pwinsider.com, And this is his explanation of what led to his decision. This was transcribed by uh, Jeremy Lambert at Fightful. 
I still had two years left on my contract, two years to get rolled over. AEW management contacted me in early December, which is only a few weeks after the Josh Alexander match that he had, which was at Overdrive. They contacted me 30 days out, which is what they're supposed to do, and had talks about rolling me over and wanted to get the process going. I basically said, thanks, but no thanks. I voiced concerns and frustrations and goals and aspirations and had a really good talk with management and left it there. I was still going to TVs and the last television I was at was in San Antonio. I sat down with Mega, the head legal of AEW and had a long in-person conversation. I basically gave her the list of reasons why I wanted to move on and bet on myself. And now is the time to do it. I've always done business the right way and been amicable about it. I wanted to get out before any feelings of resentment or bitterness. That message was relayed and they wanted to do right by me, which I respect the hell out of. As of January 1st this year, I was a free agent. And then in a follow-up, he said that during this time, I had great talks with the people at WWE. Those talks could not have been better, positive, more professional. I have nothing but great things to say about everybody in that organization, especially the people I spoke to and texted with. Ultimately, this was the best fit for me at this stage of my career and at this point in my life. I have a great relationship with Scott Demore. I have history there. A lot of legacy is there. At this stage, I was the best fit for Impact and Impact was the best fit for me. So there's Frankie Kazarian signing uh, what was said to be a multi-year deal with Impact Wrestling. He is 45, so you're certainly looking at him definitely closer to the end of his career than the beginning. And whether or not this is the last deal he signs in pro wrestling and one that I think for him, he's clearly looking for creative fulfillment and not just financial security, which AEW would have provided. And we don't know what Impact is offering, but you know, just... It's been night and day, I think, the handling of Frankie Kazarian and Impact during that period building up to the Josh Alexander match versus AEW, where he is just one of many background figures that you may have forgotten was in the company over the last year, unless you're watching Dark and Elevation on a routine basis. Certainly, yeah. Um, you know, he's he's one of those guys, you know, unfortunately, where at the time when AEW started, felt like a relatively you know, decent sized fish in a relatively decent sized pond. And as that pond has grown in AEW, you know, guys like him have just kind of gotten lost um, beyond, you know, maybe a, a tag team championship run with Sky. Uh, and then this sort of like on again, off again, um, you know, elite killer deal. And then a t- I would say a pretty bad feud with Sammy Guevara. Um, and beyond that, like, I, I, don't, I don't know how notable his entire duration in AEW was. For me, the hottest he was been, he, he was, was, you know, maybe his presence on, on being the elite with, uh, uh, Chris Daniels at, at, at the time when, you know, perhaps AEW began. Um, I would say his presence in AEW has never really, to me, lived up to that. Yeah. And, you, you know, you have to look at it. It's, it's a roster that, we always talk about how loaded it is. And and quite honestly, like the age factor is going to work against him. It's not a knock against Frankie Kazarian. He's a great talent. You can only push so many people. And there are going to be guys that you have under deals that you're looking for in mentor roles and, and helping others. And that's what Frankie Kazarian had largely graduated to. But, you know, he has a belief and his work and impact has shown he can be a great contributor in a, in another promotion and it's it's a great reason of impact being an outlet that these guys can go to it's it's a strength to the industry that you can have you know a company that can make a competitive offer that someone is willing to leave one promotion in AEW for impact so i think that that's only a good thing and i don't think frankie kazarian is going to be the last of those that are looking for options outside and how many of those options are going to exist that'll be a question 
Certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, he's very talented and I don't think that's ever been doubted, you know, by anybody, both on the mic as, uh, you know, doing, doing comedy and certainly in ring. And I, I, I would hope that there's always room for guys like that. So moving on from there, uh, Game Changer Wrestling, they have announced their schedule for WrestleMania weekend in Los Angeles, and they will be at their home base of the Ukrainian Cultural Center. And we have their schedule for Thursday through Sunday. So for WrestleMania week, they will kick off on Thursday with a uh, Santino Brothers wrestling show on Thursday morning. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, number nine, will take place uh, at four in the afternoon. I believe these are all Pacific time. Uh, DDT will have a show later that night on Thursday, and then the midnight show will be for the culture. Friday has Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F event, a DDT versus GCW card on Friday afternoon, followed by Joey Janela's spring break, and then at midnight, emo fight. To wrap things up. They did. They did one of these cards uh, last year, and it was a cool idea that GCW came up with, and now putting it on their big weekend of the year. Saturday has Effie's Big Gay Brunch, and then Gringo Locos The World on Lucha, and Sunday they are doing the in the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame at the WrestleCon Host Hotel, which was I thought a tremendous event that they staged last year over the the weekend of the Hammerstein Ballroom Show, and they're going to do it Sunday afternoon. So this will be uh, the day of uh, the second night of WrestleMania. But it was really great what they did last year. So I'm sure that's going to be a great follow up, and I'm curious how much like interest it has on a much more busier weekend than they staged it last year. Certainly, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 liking this lineup you know it, it does not feel like it's too much um even like a something like a spring break you know getting back condensed to one evening uh which i think will be you know good for anybody who's going to have to cover the clusterfuck this year um well you but, know the way that that is your <laughs> that is your assignment every year you get yeah. you know that night we, we will have to figure this out closer but with this being pacific time that would put so smackdown is at 8 eastern the hall of fame will follow it at 10 and then this spring break seven would be 11 Eastern, eight Pacific. So right. spring break will, and that's the same night of Supercard of Honor. So spring break will avoid Supercard most likely because mm. Supercard should be done right as spring break is beginning. So, yes. Don't you think they'll, they'll avoid the other, uh, in SmackDown in? They well. will go against the Hall of Fame. Like the Hall of Fame will go. Oh, the Hall of Fame. I forgot. Yeah. The Hall right. of Fame will go past 11, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. But, you know, like every every show, I think, you know, is at least memorable or at least like, you know, has a, a prior iteration. So it's it's sort of like a secondary type of thing. Um, DDT is is perhaps the most interesting thing, you know, for this. Oh, show I think up. DDT will do really well. I think that they're a standalone show and then the GCW one on the Friday. Like, I am sure that will be a great uh, advertisement for DDT that mm-hmm. uh, really kind of beefs up these uh, these shows for them as well. Bloodsport is always a really fun card. And then you've got emo fight, which maybe way you will watch at three in the morning on a early Friday, Saturday morning. I mean, you know, if you're going to listen to emo, I, I think that's, that's a good time. Perfect. All right. So that's the collective uh, coming up uh, in a couple, a couple of months time, a few MMA news and notes from the weekend. So Saturday, Dana White held a press conference after the fight night event. So earlier in the day, Outside the T-Mobile arena, this big 
advertisement on the side of the arena starts promoting John Jones versus Cyril Gaon. And you have people starting to take photos and their question, is this legit? And then people are posting videos of it. Like, no, this is a real ad that they're running. And turns out that is the fight that the UFC is putting on. And Dana White said he was pissed that this got out, but is over it now. So it's going to be John Jones against Cyril gone. John Jones first fight in three years and moving up to heavyweight. And this will be for the vacant heavyweight title because Francis Ngannou is now a free agent. His contract is ended and the company is going to be letting him go. The way these contracts work, or at least Ngannou's in this sense, prior, a lot of these deals, they could just keep extending themselves and they became very restrictive deals. You have a lot of them now that have these sunset clauses built into them where there is a drop dead date to them. But once that date is hit, the UFC still has a year that they can match it. So way your contract could be ending and you go and negotiate, you're, you're a free agent technically, but for a year, any site you go and they make you an offer, I can match it and, and keep you from going there for a year. So it still does have that. But UFC is waiving that for a year. They're, they're just waiving that. So as of today, Francis Ngannou can sign wherever he wants. He is free to go elsewhere. And that comes with a big risk. He was obviously offered a lot of money. And Dana White is going to his tried and true playbook where he said, you know, Francis Ngannou, he, uh, he wants to make a lot of money and go fight lesser competition, basically implying that, you know, he just he's not he ran away. He, that's exactly it. And it's just it's so eye rolling because it's it's such a a usual tactic of Dana White's that I think people are getting much more savvier towards that. This is just total BS. The the big sticking point is Francis Ngannou wants to do a big boxing fight. And if he can land a fight with a Tyson Fury or a Deontay Wilder, that will command a huge amount of money for him, while also he would be a large underdog against any top boxer in the world. But it doesn't disqualify him from doing a boxing fight, and then he comes back to the UFC. That's not out of the question, because you don't have a ton of options in MMA to make uh, the kind of money that you're turning down from the UFC. There's not the plethora of big name heavyweights that are out there like a generation ago that a lot of these startups could have. You could have an affliction and build and sign some quality heavyweights. Bellator doesn't do pay-per-view. PFL is now getting into pay-per-view and they're doing this pretty much like attraction-based division through Jake Paul. But I mean, who do he, who he fights and how these promotions can make money. It becomes very difficult when you see the UFC has such a high percentage of all of the top fighters. But for Nganu, it's it's a big uh, ability just to now be a free agent and what his next move is going to be. But also, like Dana White puts all this out there on Saturday and everyone's like moving on to like the next Dana White thing. And it is kind of last week's news is last week's news. I do want to give credit because ESPN has taken criticism about their handling of this. Uh, Brett Okamoto from ESPN brought up not just like the incident with Dana White, but at multiple follow-ups for Dana about why he is escaping any uh, consequences. And I think, you know, if, if you were someone to criticize ESPN, I think you also have to give credit. Like they were the outlet that, brought this to Dana at the press conference and did not get any other questions uh, about it uh, on top. There may have been one other earlier in it um, by John Morgan. So 
it, it was addressed. But again, this is now how the news cycle moves. And now everyone is focusing on this Nganu free agency and Jones versus gone. And that's, that's how this is structured to work is that it's, it's like this impasse that, you know, the public is upset about this lack of consequences this man is facing, but naturally people move on to the next controversy, the next story. And it's this gridlock. And that's what they rely on is that you will have the news cycle moves on. And now Dana is full on promoting power slap. He stated that the reason it was delayed by a week was because he was going to go on a media tour and the media tour last week probably wasn't the best time to go on a media tour, but that it's, it's going to be the same show. It looks like he will be all over this thing on Wednesday when it premieres, even though the commercial was obviously edited differently last week. And what? And so the media tour is continuing. Why was the media tour delayed? Well, he was going to do all the media last week and they, I guess, did not want him doing media last week with, with all of the fallout of everything. I don't know if he's going to be doing media over the next day or two going Mm -hmm. into this, or if it'll just go in, um, relatively cold, um, We'll see. So, you know, the fact that uh, it's John Jones coming in to, you know, essentially like replace Francis Ngannou is somewhat interesting to me. Did Jones at least partially not have similar disagreements with the UFC when he departed? Yeah, it's it it is worth noting, like John Jones has been had been very vocal about being underpaid. And, you know, he's he's been out for three years. He is now working with Richard Schaefer, who is uh, formerly with with Golden Boy, who was, you know, negotiating on his behalf. And I think it's also as we talked about this with, you know, Dana White, like John Jones had a domestic violence incident. That was the other thing I was going to bring up. You know, does does bringing John Jones back after Dana has talked so much about domestic abuse in the past and also this past week does that shine another light on this yeah i mean i haven't seen it like it's it's been noted i haven't seen it as as a big issue um you know the the charge was dropped and i mean but i mean it was it was very extensively covered when this happened in september of 2021 but uh, a lot of the attention i see is just the fact hey john jones is back um it, it doesn't seem like there's anywhere near the um the outcry um that you saw over the last week in relation to Dana White. But I think that is worth noting here. So Jones is back. He has a he has eight fights left on his UFC deal that Richard Schaefer was explaining on the MMA hour today that I basically he was like tiptoeing around the negotiating process. But it sounds like he had these eight fights, but to go up to heavyweight, he wanted to be paid more to go to heavyweight and they came to some, it sounds like Jones didn't get as much as he wanted, but he got more than UFC maybe was. And they met somewhere in the middle is what it sounds like. So him and Cyril gone, like it's, it's an interesting fight just because it's John Jones after three years moving up to a new weight class. Uh, This is one. I don't care what, what predictions people are going to throw out there. I don't think there's any way to forecast this fight. There's just way too many questions with John Jones. He was, you know, he looked very human in his last two fights, but we are talking about fights that occurred in 2019 and 2020 when Mm. he last fought. So it's um, an enormous amount of time. He's now 35 years old. So that will be working against him, but he's also going up to heavyweight, which he is going to have a lot of speed over just about all of these heavyweights and a reduced John Jones is still going to beat a lot of heavyweights, but we will see if he can compete with like the elite level heavyweights. And I would classify Cyril gone as right near that elite level, but 
it is funny that, you know, Dana White is painting this as, you know, Francis Ngannou just, you know, he he wanted some easier challenges. I'm like, this guy beat Cyril Gone a year ago, and now you are selling Gone as the challenger for John Jones. It's like, spare us, like, the uh, – the, the need to just diminish Nganu on his way out. Thing is, though, you know, like outside of the hardcore fans discussion, I mean, his words are basically all that, you know, the casual audience is going to hear and they're, go- they're going to just blindly accept this fact. Some will. I, I do believe that a lot more are kind of opening their eyes to these tactics of how the UFC operates and being a bit more savvier to this. But you are right. There are a fair amount of people that will just take, Dana's words as gospel, um, even though he was saying a lot of the stuff about like Jones and when Ngannou was on a tear. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it goes both ways. He's a promoter. It's pro wrestling, everybody. That's it. That's it. It's, you know, you're, you're selling your next fight and messages are very rarely consistent when it comes from a Dana White's mouth. But um, we will see. This is not going to be the level of fight that Jones and Ngannou would be, which I would say would be one of the biggest fights UFC could put together. Um, does this fight interest you way just from a curiosity standpoint of John Jones from a sporting aspect because of all the unknowns that you've lined out the fact that it's John Jones after three years the fact that it's him moving up to heavyweight you know um the fact that you know last time around he looked beautiful um yeah I am interested from a sports aspect from all like from all the other shit that is surrounding the UFC and Dana White and John Jones um that's that's all a, a bit of a turnoff you know um, so I don't know. Um, it, it, it'll maybe be a Twitter watch for me. Yeah. I mean, there's, it, it's, it's a laundry list of infractions with, with John Jones and that's putting it mildly of what he's been involved with, like hit and runs, um, you know, all, all of these, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunately been, it, it will be a massive part of his legacy is as great as this guy has been as a fighter, um, how he's done it under all of this outside uh, of the case, which is it, this has plagued him for we're coming up on like eight, nine years of like mm-hmm. public incidents that we are aware of um, that, that you want to go back to. Like this is someone, as we talk about, he's got eight fights left on his deal. If you want to go back eight fights ago, you have to go back nearly nine years. Like that's how infrequently he has fought and has, has lost a ton of, money because of outside incidents that have prevented him uh, from fighting and it's you know that that will be a big part of his legacy and this will be a big checkup of you know wh- how much is left in John Jones cuz we we very well could be looking at a out of his prime John Jones by this point the question is is that version of Jones still enough to beat a fighter the level of Cyril Gone that's going to be the intrigue of this fight i think the fight will do tremendously well yeah that's coming up march 4th so that weekend that is the weekend of revolution as well so it's gonna be a a busy weekend with ufc a big ufc pay-per-view on the saturday and then aew on sunday uh ratings are delayed uh because it is uh martin luther king jr day and uh smackdown rampage numbers will be out tuesday raw will be out wednesday so no ratings information to pass along but it is now time to get into uh raw from the Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. The uh, the site of the Moxley Hangman Page match from October. Okay. Was this the... Uh, okay, yes. I'm thinking of... Uh, yeah. All right. Interesting. Great. And this uh, this show, it will be very interesting to see how they do uh, against the, uh, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys, which was a blowout of a game, but going up against an NFL playoff game is very, very significant. So uh, I, I do not know if uh, Raw is going to hold up all that well, but I would say for the next few weeks, we're going to have all these varying numbers for Raw because I feel this Monday it's going to be abnormally hurt. Next week, it's going, you would think it's going to be pretty big for this Raw anniversary show. Mm-hmm. And the following week is the Raw following the Rumble, which is usually one of the most watched episodes of the year. So we're going to see a real low number this week, most likely, and then two exceptionally high numbers the next two weeks. And then we will see in February sort of where, where they are without facing football competition. Uh, main event featured matches taped with a Dana Brooke against Zoe Stark and Dexter Loomis versus Charlie Dempsey, which is um, a match I must see this week. So the guy loses his money. Um, what else did he do? Had a match last week that he, I think he won. And now he's being thrown in against a shooter. Okay. All right. They announce off the top that there will be a six-way elimination match in the main event to determine who will challenge Austin Theory next week. And the show begins with the Usos and Solo Sokoa coming out, telling Kevin Owens, you can't cross the tribal chief and get away with it. And next Monday at Raw 30, every generation of the bloodline will be joining them for an acknowledgement ceremony. And the Usos will also defend the Raw tag titles against the Judgment Day next monday all generations way that i mean it's certainly the thing that i'm i'm one of the or at least one of the things i might be most curious about is to see who from the past shows up that uh, is a part of the anoahi family well, it has to be often sika for sure for sure um but they said every generation okay now that does not mean every every single member right no every generation i mean what what constitutes a generation well, I mean, uh, like a whole uh, section of, uh, you know, your generation. Like, uh, Is you know. Manu coming? <laughs> well, I, I imagine he would be similar to one of their generations. So I, I guess he's not required. Um, but what about the future? I'm assuming, you know, some of the kids will show up. I mean, does Simone show up? That would be interesting. Um, Rikishi, you would imagine, is there. Um yeah, I mean, maybe Roman's like twins. Like he has four, he has four kids. You could bring his kids, bring your kids to work day. Who would you like to see from the past that you know might be wrestling fans might know? Um, well, when they say like uh, of the bloodline, I I assume that means the 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 extended Samoan family, which is oh, just yeah. whether related by blood or not. Um, yeah. Who would I want to see? Um. I don't know if there's anyone I want to see. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> if everyone is, is like thinking it's like Dwayne Johnson is going to show up unannounced, I, I don't think you should be holding your breath for that one. I don't think so. I think there's a chance he might get his daughter. Uh, unless that, that Britt Baker be. does the go-home promo for this on SmackDown. And- <laughs> that, that is correct, yeah. Get a wink or something. Um, does this extend to any members of the Zane family showing up? Are there any honorary uh, bloodline generations that are that will be represented? Uh, maybe El Generico will come. Oh, the, are they related? Or I thought they were just friends. Well, maybe you call in a favor. Come to Ron, Philadelphia. Anyway, so the, yeah, uh, so I mean, can, can we just at least entertain the idea of like you know if, if in fact Dwayne Johnson is scheduled at all to WrestleMania plans, would this be a good time to at least throw a hint? 
certainly. I think everyone is going to be watching this segment for some connection to Dwayne Johnson. I don't think anyone's expecting a live in-person appearance unannounced, but yeah, something that would tie into that, that would tip the hand of where they are going. That I think right. everyone's going to be watching this show in the rumble. Uh, look at looking for that. If, if that's, if that is in fact on the table, you have to figure if, if Dwayne has decided at this point, I mean, training would have to start now, if not earlier. Right. I would think so. I would think so. I mean, look, look at the look at the shape Austin's getting himself into. I mean, Rock is not a young guy anymore. He's 50. And he's getting big, which is great for the cameras, but not great for wrestling a wrestling match. Always. Did you, you, know? did you see today he posted the eulogy he uh, gave for his father when he when his father died three years ago? Oh, it's like a 10-minute video on his Instagram that I had not seen before. I don't think he's released this before. But yeah, his dad died three years ago, and he put the the eulogy up of uh, Dwayne Johnson delivering it. Wow. Okay. So next Monday, yes, the Judgment Day will challenge the Usos. They also have to kind of set up the Rumble match with like the Bloodline. Like, are the Bloodline in the Rumble or are they not? Because you need a story if they're going into the Rumble. Like, what is the purpose of them being in the Rumble? And if hmm. not, that's a lot of key stars that are not in your men's Rumble. So. You know, you have several episodes to set that up, but that is that to me is like a key um, se- several factors in in the Rumble is the bloodline and having a story going in there. Like, are you going in there to win it to give Roman uh, to hand something off to Roman? Does one of them go rogue? I think you could probably safely exclude the Usos, just you know, given their status as tag team champs. But you know, yeah, Solo and Sami Zayn. You know, what is the, what is their status um, with regards to the Rumble? Yeah, like if. The last thing you want to do is go into the Rumble like that year with Daniel Bryan where they never announced him in the Rumble. But then when he didn't enter, everyone hmm. turned on the match. Sammy is yeah. in that position now where whether announced or not, that audience is going to want Sami Zayn in the Rumble. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, you would imagine he'd be involved somewhat in, in the Kevin Owens match. Maybe he gets laid out at the end to, if he's not going to be a part of the Rumble. But I think it'd be far more interesting if he was. The Judgment Day come out and they state that they run Raw. And Balor says that now we're running straight for you, Yeet. And Balor thanks the ex-con Dom for filling in for him last week as they will get their tag title shot. He's got to wrestle in a six-way tonight. And Priest asks why the Bloodline have never stepped up to them. And Dominic, do you smell that? Do you smell what the Dom is cooking? Because I smell some fear. And Dominic continues to be great. The Usos run down every team that they've dismantled, including Dominic and his father, and say welcome to the Uso penitentiary, which I thought would have a better comeback from Dom than what he did here. But Dom says that the Usos wouldn't last a minute in the cell with the prisoners he was in with. You know what we call an Uso in the pen? A wannabe essay. And the biggest wannabe is Solo Sokoa, who stands around doing nothing. So Sokoa walks up to Dom, but then Rhea stands up to Solo Sokoa, and Sokoa raises his thumb for the Samoan spike when Dom attacks and gets headbutted. The sides brawl, and they tease Rhea and Sokoa going at it, and this crowd, they were ready to see these two uh, go at it. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mustafa Ali leaps off the top turnbuckle, attacking Sokoa as they have a match scheduled next. And that ends the segment. So interesting putting like these groups together mm-hmm. and 
and the roles that they assumed here, because this was certainly more of a uh, like bloodline in the babyface light that maybe they are expecting that reaction next week and they're just going to feed it. I think it depends on who you ask, because like I mean, I mean, to some people, Dominic is certainly enough to you know get get a babyface reaction for the Judgment Day, right? Um, I, I thought it was interesting seeing these two groups together. When they won last week, I was kind of unsure how they would promote this, but I thought this segment totally worked. You know, when it's it's great when you have like a nice guy and an asshole and somebody that's obvious to cheer for, but it also works when you have two assholes that you just want to see, you know, beat beat the shit out of each other. And they were both very mean to each other. And I thought everybody kind of played like a pretty significant role. In particular, of course, you know, Rhea Ripley and Solo Sokoa, we know the role that Solo Sokoa has within the bloodline as sort of like, you know, the 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 heavy. And Rhea Look essentially Rhea is that for the judgment day. And they're explicitly telling us that Rhea is the Solo Sokoa of the Judgment Day, which I mean I think totally works. Um Dom was very entertaining as usual. They put a great spotlight on him, continuing this, you know, prison character. And I would say overall it elevated the judgment day not not near a level of a bloodline, but at least closer to it than they were before. Um, I mean, remember, like they they were sort of like a jokey, you know. They've always been kind of like comedic, and and, and that's fine. But like, kind of lacking credibility. But seeing Rhea Ripley stand up to Solo Sokoa here, and Dominic slapping Solo Sokoa, I think at least gives them a little bit of credibility. Yeah, and it is interesting that they're going the direction of just one set of the tag titles being defended. That. You know, from a logic standpoint, like you are doing this on Raw. And I think also for believability, it's the idea that the the idea that they could lose one set of the tag titles while holding on to another. I don't see a title change next week, but I think that that does help a bit because you have this these dominant champions that I think believability becomes tough, especially when it comes to these TV matches. Agreed. Agreed. Um, And, you know, heading to WrestleMania. I think fans would be willing to buy the idea that they might be splitting these titles relatively soon. So, yeah, I like it. Solo Sokoa took on Mustafa Ali, and we had an interview from earlier in the day with Byron Saxton where Ali is never had a chance to fight back against the bloodline. So he's coming for payback tonight. Um, he was left empty. Uh, the Usos showed up, so Kevin Owens runs down to attack the Usos, and Ollie gets a near fall off a Tornado DDT, misses with the 450, and falls to the Samoan Spike in 531. Ollie did not end the undefeated streak. He did not, no. Um, match was okay. You know, Solo is is looking very good as usual. Owens gets a... Uh, oh, he comes out here, but Ali really is just a, a bit of a background guy, and uh, maybe they use the turn, uh, the loss here to set up a, a turn later on. So Owens stuns Sokoa, sends him into the stairs, and then places Sokoa on the desk. And as he climbs onto the barricade, the Usos are back fighting Owens. He fights them off with a chair, and then the officials are out to restrain Owens and the audience got into Owens here. He stood on the desk, stood tall at the end. So it was, it was a good reaction for Kevin Owens as they continue to build up his challenge at the Royal rumble. Mm. Bobby Lashley promo. They just went through all these guys throughout the night, plugging the six man elimination match. And then we had our raw 30 promo raw triple X next week, which would have been a very different uh, interpretation a couple decades ago, if they were promoting Raw Triple X. Um, you know, main evented by the Banger Bros, maybe? 
Uh, could, could have been. Uh, they did have Vince throughout this promo, including the uh, the clip of Welcome to Monday Night Raw. And I'm certain you are going to have people um, speculating if he makes an appearance next week. The speculation will be there. I, and at this point, anything really is possible. Um, I have to think that they'd be self-aware enough to not put the man on TV. But, you're, you know, the voice here was maybe a bit more than even I anticipated already. And then we had the latest video from Cody Rhodes showing him going through surgery, the rehab, and having to be patient as he rehabilitated. And four months later, he's training at the Nightmare Factory. He shows off the scar uh, after the surgery and then states he's back at the Royal Rumble. And we get this graphic, Rhodes to the Royal Rumble. So I thought they'd hold off until next week, but I think, yeah. Give it, give it more time to build up. Great. You might still get something next week. You know, I mean, three chapters feels like it's plenty for something like this. And I mean, at the end of the videos, you figure you, you want something announced. Does this tell you that maybe Cody won't be there next week? Live? I don't think he's needed next week. I would wait and make that, that return at the rumble. Um, mm. But it's also one of those shows next week where they really like to have all hands on deck. I would think that, it would you figured they would have announced it if they had plans i would expect him to at least to have a presence on the show whether it's another video a promo of some sort um but i don't know if you actually put him in the arena or not um right but you could use that that kind of that go home promo um in some setting saxton speaks with elias who is going over his year and mvp mvp comes out of adam pierce's office bumps into him and tells elias don't bother pierce about the rumble because the winner is already guaranteed. And Elias thinks MVP is talking about himself. And MVP says, well, you can have a match against the winner of the 2023 Royal Rumble later tonight. And Elias, what an idiot on this show. He is led to believe throughout the whole next hour that MVP is talking about himself. This guy who manages a monster, he must be talking about himself. I'm going to take on MVP. Yes. Like, this yes. was just the most foolish babyface on this show. Street Profits against Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, who have bygones be bygones, is their new team name. I mean, it's kind of been their story for years now. They fight, they they fight, they make up. It's like the Katy Perry song. So we get, uh, this is actually a very nice match. Uh, MVP walks down uh, before the, the break. Uh, at one point, there was a silencer on Benjamin followed with from the heavens, but Alexander is in to make the save. Uh, Dawkins hits a Topicon hero, big pop here in his hometown of Cincinnati. Dawkins goes for a spinning splash in the corner onto Cedric. And MVP got on the apron. And I guess he was supposed to move Cedric out of the way. He was late, very late. So yeah. Dawkins like half-ass splashed this guy in the corner. Alexander had that, uh, do I sell it? Do I not? Because it looks like crap, but it's a key spot in the match. So, dude, it just came to a grinding halt here. So MVP then is distracting the referee. <laughs> Cedric's got to just recover. So Benjamin hoists Dawkins in the air for a flying knee strike from Alexander. 
And you think that they're going to get the pin on Dawkins, but Dawkins reverses and counters with a crucifix, pinning Alexander in 916. So the plan back, the, the story was at least the plan backfired, which it legit did. Like this yeah. looked like garbage, but it actually did feed into like these, these three were like the three stooges here trying to pull off a interference finish. It was a bit messy towards the end, but okay. um, yeah, it did play into, I suppose, the finish ultimately working out. Uh, match-wise, I thought all four looked really good here, and the story seems quite different from last week, where it really felt like you know MVP was trying to group the Hurt Business together in a very sort of like, hey, like let's let's get this working again, uh, almost babyface light, and this episode felt very different. It felt like it was, you know, MVP kind of screwing up and hurting Shelton and Cedric. And, you know, we'll talk about the rest later. Kathy Kelly interviewed the Judgment Day who were approached by the Alpha Academy. And Rhea Ripley threatens Chad Gable. And Dominic says, I can't stop her because I've been pumping iron in the yard all day. And tells Gable, you don't even want to know what they do to guys like you in the pen. Mm-hmm. Gable was uh, concerned here. Out comes Becky Lynch through the crowd, and she brings up the Bengals win from yesterday over Baltimore and calls out Bailey and calls her a Karen. So Bailey walks out, and she's wearing a George Kittle San Francisco 49 jersey, 49ers jersey, uh, Pentagon's favorite football player. And she says, you must not realize my name is Bailey, not Karen. Bailey says, I called you a Karen. Bailey says, no, my name's not Karen. Like your name's Becky. My name's Bailey. Dude, this crowd was just like, I don't know what was going on here. It mm. was like either Bailey was trying to play naive or was just completely lost here. This just died a death in front of this crowd it was like, what is going on? This was just these two were on different wavelengths for the beginning of this. I, I was wondering if this was like a bit of improv between the two, but no, like, I mean, <laughs> lines were pretty like substantially delivered, which tells me this was written on a page at some point for these two to re- remember and recite. And God, it was pretty awful. This was um, painful. Uncharacteristically awful, I think, for the both of them. Yeah, it was like for two people who are very good talkers, like this was some god awful dialogue that just mm-hmm. it just died a death in front of this crowd. But the audience eventually they just got back into it chanting for Becky and Becky then goes at Bailey saying you peaked in 2015. Bailey says, I ran NXT while you ran off with the horsewomen and took my spot on the main roster and at WrestleMania. Becky says. I was just another body that wasn't supposed to be a big star, but I became one because I worked harder than anybody else, and I'll continue to do so. This kind of makes no sense in terms of the actual program that I got called up from NXT, but I wasn't going to be booked to be a big star on the main roster as I was promoted above you. Yeah, yeah. From that sense, it it doesn't make sense. But, you know, can we argue that, like, let's say in the UFC, certain guys are going to be given more opportunities to succeed than others? Um, yeah, yeah, some will, some will. Maybe, maybe in kayfabe, that's what, that's all she means. You know, she, she's at least been, she was saying the opposite. She was not getting opportunities. She was just another, another body. Yeah. So she worked her way to the top. Becky says that she worked harder than anyone else. And the differences between us is that when it's not your time, you just whine and blame others. Bailey says 
she's only the man because another woman punched you in the face because we can't name that woman anymore. And Becky threatens to punch her in the face. And then Becky issues a challenge for a match next week inside of the Jimmy Snuka special, the steel cage match next week in Philadelphia. And Bailey agrees. Yeah. Um, outside of that Rocky start with the Karen stuff, um, went too long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just like, it's a dated thing by now. I felt like, you know, complaining about Karen's is something we did like maybe two years ago. Um, besides that, I, I thought, you know, this was an overall decent segment by the time they got to the end here. They went a bit more personal with each other than previously in the feud, citing kind of like, you know, um, a bit of jealousy for, um, be- getting called up earlier than, than somebody else. So, um, for like a program that's really supposed to carry us between pay-per-views for Becky Lynch, I thought this was perfectly fine by the end. Maybe that's who we get in the bloodline segment next week is Tamina. Good. Yeah. I mean, every generation, right? They're going to be calling up everybody. Dolph Ziggler is with Mustafa Ali in the locker room and Ali brings up Dolph getting opportunity after opportunity. Yeah. If there's someone that's just spoiled, it's Dolph Ziggler in this company. They just keep giving him gift after gift. (laughs) Ziggler says, I don't have time to pay attention to you today. So Ali just knocks him out and asks if he has his attention now. And no, he didn't. Ziggler was like, he just got up. He came out. He wasn't selling this afterwards. Like, I don't think Ali got his attention either. He didn't seem to care all that much. Um, no. You know, maybe maybe he's focused on the match tonight. And next week is when we'll get some payback. So, I mean, I don't know if this is, a, you know, exactly a heel turn or, or just maybe a slight edge, you know, added to Babyface Mustafa Ali. But um at least he's getting a storyline. I would. I hope Ali gets just just something going. Maybe maybe this main event storyline. That's that's what we can look out for. Is just him taking on the NXT guys. Maybe maybe. Elias is out in the ring, and out comes MVP. Wait a minute, MVP's in a suit. He doesn't look like he's ready to wrestle. Who's my opponent going to be? And out comes the man that MVP happens to manage. It's Omos, and Elias had to sell this. As though, um, you know, Vince McMahon's just walked out. He was shocked. He couldn't believe this. Omos is here. So at one point, MVP has his cane. So Elias raises his guitar, but Omos takes the guitar and he smashes it onto the floor. And Elias hits some jumping knees, can't get him off his feet. And then Elias gets sent off the top of the tree slam. And Omos wins in 234. And... More of Omos to come later tonight, but he's back. He is back, managed by MP- MVP. So, um, you know, Rumble time, I think, is a good time to re-debut a, a giant. Obviously, he's entered now if MVP has, you know, uh, claiming him to be the 2023 winner. Um, There's a lot of potential monsters in this Rumble. You got Omos, you have Solo, you have Bronson Reed. I mean, these are a bunch of guys that you would think could have those, like, big monster spots in this rumble solo i think would be a great candidate to you know gain a lot of value from that i mean almost you can still as well but uh, somebody throwing omos out i think would be great for that other person maybe solo throws omos out you know that'd be a great spot for him you don't see omos winning and going to chris's hometown and headlining mania <laughs> just for him like an engagement present that would be great <laughs> saxton is with adam pierce he says raw is going to be great one of the greatest nights ever, he calls it. So Akira Tozawa walks in. He wants in the Rumble. Pierce says, I'll give you a match tonight. And if you win, 
<laughs> doesn't even say it'll get you in the rumble. It would help your case. <laughs> so Tozawa's not getting in this rumble. Probably not. Damian Priest and Dominic against the Alpha Academy. Um, this was a good match that, that, that they ended up having. Uh, Gable, Gable and Otis just worked as the baby faces and, you know, Alpha Academy, they're sort of in that transition role where if you need them to be heels, they can do it. And in this case, they were the baby faces and the audience gets especially behind Otis. So they built to the hot tag and Otis just runs wild and hits the caterpillar on Damian Priest for a huge pop while Gable delivers an exploder to Dominic on the floor. Otis is stopped on the turnbuckle by Priest south of heaven. Then Gable hits the American automatic, and Gable applies the ankle lock on Dominic, but Rhea distracts the referee as Priest stops Gable with south of heaven, and Dominic rolls on top for the pin in 11 minutes going into the title match next week. Successful match, I thought, you know, the crowd at this point has turned to uh, Alpha Academy babyface um, through really like not much effort. Like you know, the crowd has done it themselves, but is what I mean. And WWE really has done very little to like make us like Otis, but they're running with it, you know. And at least in a match like tonight, they are working as complete babyfaces. And I think at this point, you know, they've done enough as heels. Um, I, that I'd like to see a full-on baby face run for the two of them. So uh, Dom played a good chicken shit heel in the match, and it was a good match. Mm-hmm. Yes. These referees, may, maybe we need two referees in these matches. This, this is a, a constant. I'm surprised they haven't tried it. They aired a video for uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Very nice video with a John Legend song. EO Sky versus Meechin. Candice LeRae is in Meechin's corner. This is Meechin's new best friend. Yes. Yes, because um, Becky Lynch clearly has better things to do. <laughs> I don't need Meechin. They really, like, called, like, you remember, like, Bailey was basically calling Becky Lynch out for not helping Meechin, and they're pretty much right. Yeah, Becky was like, yeah, fair, fair. Um, man, this crowd was dead for the beginning of this. Uh, they just do not see these two as, as big stars. Uh, there was a crossface applied by EO, but then Yim, Yim stops her with a Rana, dropping Sky with a reverse neckbreaker and then hits a German. Kai gets onto the apron. Candace yanks her down and Sky then drop kicks her and gets hit with eat defeat and Meechin pins Sky in 435. Kai then attacks Kim, allowing LeRae to return, fighting her off. And Meechin and Candice LeRae are all hugs. And therefore, I would say they're number one contenders for the tag titles. Pretty much, yeah. Because who else is there? Honestly, if they didn't even have to do this, and I think they could have just challenged for those belts. Crowd was, you know, really unfortunately sitting on their hands for most of this one. Just no attachment whatsoever to Meechin, nor I would say EO Sky at this point. Um Technically, the match was good, but, you know, this felt very much like the Tegan Knox match on SmackDown against Zia where they were just kind of putting them out there, I guess, with very minimal effort to try to promote the personalities attached to the match, just because I guess they'll both have some presence on at the Rumble. But, um, I, you know, you can't really just kind of throw people out there, especially on a show like Raw, without telling people who they are. Yeah, it was it was very cold. And for the women's rumble, um, I've got to say, like, you know, the, I'm not saying the men's rumble has uh, a ton of stories in it, but it's got the big one with Cody and the women's rumble. I mean, we've got Raquel, Candace, Ripley and Liv Morgan. And like, 
we've had no promos for this. It's just, this is one where it just feels like, well, you know what the rumble is. The winner gets the shot and that's fine to rely on. People get excited for the match, but I just think you have all this time to build this up that you could at least have some people doing more. Uh, it just, it just feels like, Hey, it's, it's the rumble and that's it. That's as much as we're going to promote this. I, I would say the state of the women's divisions on, on either brand is not very strong right now. You know, the talent is really there. Absolutely. Like, um, but the, the storytelling I think has been pretty minimal outside of the title pictures. Yeah. I, I think impact has the best stories going right now in, ter- in terms of a North American promotion. I, I would say they are if for their women's division. I, I see them clearly ahead right now of WWE and AEW. Bianca Belair comes out. Maybe this is going to make your your point moot. Uh, she's missed everyone so much. She missed one week of Raw for those keeping track. But she says she never wants to miss an episode of Raw. Wish I could say the same, Bianca. She will face Alexa over and over again no matter what. And every risk comes with the reward of remaining Raw Women's Champion. And calls out Alexa to say what she wants to her face. So Bliss comes out and says, you fear me because you don't know what to expect. And Belair is giving Alexa the option to bypass the Royal Rumble and just go right to the finish line and get a title match at the Royal Rumble. (laughs) Bliss says, what's the catch? And Belair's like, that's it. That's how booking works. And you can have a title match. So they agree. They're going to have a match at the Rumble. They start fighting. They go into the crowd. Uh, Belair uh, ends up setting up two chairs and goes to deliver a KOD when she sees Uncle Howdy. And this distracts her. She cannot complete the KOD. And that allows Bliss to hit a DDT on the floor. And then the chant everyone babyface wants to hear as they're laid out. One more time. One more time. <laughs> and uh, and also nice to see that Alexa Bliss and uh, Uncle Howdy and The Fiend, they are now merchandising themselves, as you can see with Bliss's uh, Who Wants to Play shirt. Oh, okay. Um, is this a Lily shirt? Is this a Fiend shirt? I think this I is a Lily it. shirt. Is it um, a Lily shirt? Okay. But, um, you know, I'm sure Uncle Howdy has a merch. Um, come on. You know, it's coming. You, you got to earn money to pay for the, the video editing, I'm sure. Yeah. The mask, the hat. Um, this this is Bianca Belair's Get Me to WrestleMania program. I think it's one of her bigger tests. You know, uh, we we know how baby faces um, often come out of feuds with the Fiend. How is Bianca Belair going to react to a feud with essentially the Fiend? In you know Alexa Bliss here doing all of this spooky shit. Um, we expected a segment like this, you know, this is the entire story with uh, Alexa bliss at this point. So um, I can't, I mean, in execution, it's about on par for like what I expect out of these sort of storylines. So I can't really say I'm like mad at it or what like, does that disappointed. Mean? I mean, it's like, they're kind of hokey and ridiculous, you know, like um, it's like, I watched one of the American pie straight to DVD sequels. <laughs> it was on par with what I expect the straight to DVD releases to be of American pie. Pretty, pretty much right. Right, John, you know, like you and I have never encountered uncle howdy in real life. So we don't know how distracted. Imagine we're driving and all of a sudden, Oh, uncle howdy's silhouette shows up in a blinding light, you know, in, in the car in front of us, man, like how does, how does she dangerous. know that's uncle howdy? Like that could be a dozen wrestling fans. Oh, just in the hallway with a light like that? Come on. Well, you know. Anyway. Anyway. So it's, 
well, the match I think is going to be the biggest test, John. You know what? What? What sort of weird shit are they going to throw in there? I don't know. It depends if it proceeds or follows the the Mountain Dew pitch black match. True. Right. Bronson Reed against Akira Tozawa. What a mean joke by Adam Pierce. Kevin Patrick says Bronson Reed spent some time in Japan, so he's familiar with Tozawa's style. And Corey Graves like pushed back here of like, yeah, you know, they don't all wrestle the exact same. You know, they're they're all yeah. different people. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like saying, you know, if you've wrestled the Miz, you know exactly what it's like to wrestle, I don't know, uh, John Moxley. Everyone from Ohio. Yeah. They all yeah. have, they, they wrestle Ohio style. <laughs> so yeah, he's been to Japan. He's familiar with Tozawa's style. Yeah. Yeah. Okada told him here, this is the secret. This is how we all wrestle. Reed is dominating, but man, is it quiet here? And part of it is, uh, he applies this bear hug and this is his way to constrict the air. And then he hits this running cannonball that Kevin Patrick informs us is the steamroller. Tozawa then evades him and he picks things up. He lands some kicks, a suicide dive, but then a cannonball off the apron is caught, which was really impressive. And he power bombs this dude into the barricade, shoulder block off the apron by Reed, very impressive. And then the tsunami in 420 it wins the match for Bronson Reed. So a good final minute or two here, but it, this was a, this was slow going at the beginning, but, um, you know, a dominating win for Bronson Reed. You know, like the last match, I mean, it was a crowd that I think reacted well to, to certain stars and um, for newcomers or people that aren't featured a whole lot, not that big of a reaction. But, you know, in this case, I, I thought it was fine because it, it was the first match we got to see at Bronson Reed. And as a match, you kind of expect a, a like as a first introduction, you can expect a bit of a lowered reaction. Tazala made him look good. Um, what's next for Reed? You know, uh, I mean, he's attached to the Miz, but um, I guess not tonight. Too bad Akira Tozawa hadn't wrestled in uh, in New Zealand. <laughs> Don't you think he's faced a New Zealander once or twice in his life? I guess not. Wouldn't didn't know his style. Saxton interviews Seth Rollins, who was all set for the Rumble, but they pulled him back in for this U.S. title scenario. So he's going to win tonight. Then he's going to win the title next week from Austin Theory. Then he's going to win the Rumble in San Antonio. And then he's going to headline the Rumble or headline WrestleMania and kick Roman Reigns' ass and quotes Freddie Mercury that he wants it all and he wants it now. So next week, Raw 30, it's going to feature the Bloodline Acknowledgement Ceremony, the Usos against Damian Priest and Dominic for the Raw tag titles, Becky Lynch against Bailey in a steel cage match, Austin Theory defending the U.S. title, and... They have announced the following legends will be on the show. Ric Flair, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, The Bellas, Kurt Angle, Jerry Lawler, Ron Simmons, Road Dog, and Teddy Long. Yes. Legends. Yeah, I mean, um, most of them. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I would say most of them just kind of like on your expected, on the expected WWE Rolodex of like familiar names that they'll bring back. I mean, Flair probably being the most significant one. You know, I would say appearance. these are the ones that one text, you know, it's like, you know, they're showing up, no problem. Oh, most, some of them are already backstage or at least like, you know, at the performance center. So, um, but yeah, no, Flair, like, you know, going from being edited out of the opening signature to getting a documentary made. And then this seems to complete the, uh, 
the welcoming back of Ric Flair. So there you go. Does it feel like a big show next week? Compared to, to like tonight's Raw, yes. Not uh, compared to tonight's Raw, to one of these like legend shows. Um, I don't, I'm not that excited by this l- roster of legends, dude, but I mean, like this, I, the, I'm, I don't know. Like we, we've always talked about, like they do this once a year and they load it up. And every time to me, it's, it sort of feels like diminishing returns. And to me, it's like the draw next week is more like they've set up some matches, but like these legends, um, I'm like, it's going to be above a normal raw, but, and the idea, like I figured this show has the best chance of doing like 3 million viewers. I don't think this is going to touch 3 million. I think that's really tough. Oh, I don't know what a casual audience looks for. I mean, maybe The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair is enough for them. You know, for me, I guess I'm just not excited because I know exactly what to expect with any of them. I'm more excited for the bloodline, seeing if Manu shows up, you know, as part of this bloodline. Manu, okay. Yeah, deserves some credit. Main event, it's the uh, six-pack challenge with Rollins, Lashley, Corbin, Miz, Balor, and Dolph Ziggler going almost 27 minutes. Austin theories on commentary and... Our first elimination, it sees Miz applying a figure four to Ziggler, but then Ziggler reverses it, and uh, Miz takes a stomp, so Rollins eliminates Miz. Uh, Rollins then spits water over Austin Theory on commentary, which could have electrocuted the man. Rollins and Ziggler work together, but then they go at it. Balor hits a Topekun hero, which is always the way to rehabilitate your ribs. It also you, fixes cankers, too. Eh? So why don't you give that a try, Austin Balcony? Sure. <laughs> Uh, Ziggler then goes to the top, lands a high cross to the floor. Ziggler hits the zigzag on Lashley, then super kicks Balor, but Rollins is back. Pedigree Ziggler, so Ziggler's out of here. Lashley goes on the attack. He's attacking the ribs of Balor. Omos and MVP come out, and Lashley can't finish the hurt lock. He's he's just, what are you doing? It's like he saw Uncle Howdy. What are you doing? He just stood there. He just stood there. And he loses focus, and he gets clotheslined by Corbin. Balor hits a shotgun dropkick, coup de grace, but then Rollins is back, and he stomps Balor. So Balor's gone. Omos then tosses Rollins over the desk. Corbin rolls back into the ring. He is speared by Lashley. Corbin's gone. Lashley still is asking, what are you doing here? And Theory thinks that uh, Omos is out here to cost Lashley the match. So Theory nails Lashley with his belt. Omos then grabs Theory by the throat and goes to choke him on the desk where Rollins is. So Rollins stomps Omos, and then he goes after Theory, super kicks MVP off the apron, but Lashley recovers, spearing Rollins, and Lashley wins the match in 26 minutes and 46 seconds. So Lashley will challenge Austin Theory, and he's got the backing of MVP and Omos. At least that's the direction you are led in. Or so we think. Yeah, yeah. We it's it's certainly not confirmed yet. Uh, you know, and like I said, I'm 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 kind of curious if this was always the plan because it certainly felt like they were going in very much a babyface direction for all of them. But maybe not. Maybe MVP's plan this whole time was to get Bobby Lashley back in so that he could turn Lashley. And for Lashley, man, it would be a lot of flip flopping. You know, these past couple months, if he went back to being a heel um, after flirting with it just briefly with the Brock Lesnar thing. So um, we'll see where that goes. But um, I thought the match itself was a lot of fun. Very fast paced and exciting. Rollins always, as always, shines in these sort of scenarios in every scenario, really. I thought they crafted some really nice little moments there for Dolph um, and even the Miz, you know. Um, So, 
we'll see what's uh, I'm most curious what's what, what this Hurt Locker business uh, or sorry. Yeah, Hurt Locker. Hurt lo- uh Hurt business. Hurt business. Uh the Hurt stuff. Locker, yes. Yeah. Um all right. So there you go. Um so the last Legends night they did. It was uh January 4th of 2021. I don't think they've done one of these since. That one did uh I I I went high on the the 3 million, but that Legends night did 2 million. 128,000 viewers. Are you going over or under 2, 2.1 million viewers? We'll say for next week's. Um, what's the biggest they've done last year or recently? Last year's biggest number. Um, they topped 2 million a couple of times. They did uh, 2.23 million for the Raw after SummerSlam last year. What was after Mania? They actually did higher after SummerSlam than they did WrestleMania last year. Um, interesting. I believe that's the high. Let, let's say 2.2 was the highest. 2.23 okay. million was the highest they did last year following SummerSlam. I'll say like somewhere in the, like I'll say above two, but maybe under 2.1. I'm going to, I'm going to say like one nine. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how much buzz there is for this next week. It's, um, you know, the, these shows usually do well. Um, so we'll see. Maybe that, maybe there's a big, Raw nostalgia over the over the next week of of build up for it. I guess so. At this point, like, what what more nostalgia can we experience? From they, they've Raw? exhausted these shows. Like, there was a Are time they're going to show us like the beer truck again, you know, or the DX invasion. Well, that's it. I mean, look back to that Raw 1000 that they did, which did like an enormous, enormous number. But you're also talking that was ten years ago. That was Raw, um, a show that had. Um, some wrestling on it, some talking, and uh, main event was fun. Um, and then trying to think what else here. Uh, I like the main event. I, I the Judgment Day. They did good stuff building up the USO stuff. I think with them, I like I like the um, the match with Alpha Academy was was fine. They had like eleven minutes. Um, there there was some fine wrestling on this show, but nothing uh nothing blow away great. Yeah. Um. But but it's 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 a very long show. A lot of it's filler. Um. You can. You, know. you got the Cody news, so you had something uh, of note coming up. Sure, the announcement of the legends for next week, I guess, and maybe more to come as well. But yes, th- th- that's it. A great, a great ten minute recap uh, could, could could do you in for the show of Raw. Let us open it up. If you have any uh, super chats you want to get in, we will also be going to your feedback at forum.postwrestling.com, where patrons can always leave their feedback after Raw, Dynamite, SmackDown, Rampage, pay per views. Your voice yeah. is heard. We got one super chat here from Bob the Builder who sends five dollars. Thank you. The for the, Bob the Builder? Uh I think so. Yeah. Okay. He's he you know, what do you do after a day at the construction site? You listen to a raw review. Bob the Builder sends five dollars. Thank you, Bob. He says, Quick question, why do you think there's a difference between the crowds on Raw and Dynamite? There's such a discrepancy discrepancy I'd noticed watching tonight. I think you like it comes down to just the the product and perception of stars i just think it's an overall much more fun experience being at a dynamite like there is no chance to for that crowd to fall into a lull it's it it happens but it is so action-packed and by and large like you get some incredible matches i mean there was nothing on this show that held a candle to danielson and takeshita much less that that ladder match or Moxley and page. And I know that's 
an extreme example from Dynamite, but you typically get one of those matches every week on a, on a Dynamite, and and you get good the, matches on Raw too. You know, like in the main event tonight, and the crowd was certainly responsive to that. But beyond, they that, didn't respond to that. It's also you know? it's three hours. Like it's it's also a long time. It's um, but yeah, I mean, there there's no comparison of the crowd, it's, the crowd noise on a Raw versus a Dynamite. AEW in general is a product that I think you know um attracts a fan that that is much more um into the in-ring product and so even if you have a guy you know like Takeshita who rarely shows up um the people that watch AEW are at least familiar enough with him to know that they're going to get a great match and they treat him as a star uh whereas you might get a a, you know an, an Io Shirai showing up on on Raw and to most people watching at least tonight not that special um so you know, you're talking about a level of fan when you're watching AEW. If you've discovered AEW, you probably like know have a pretty decent sort of like um knowledge of like a lot of the wrestlers that are out there. So even if there are wrestlers that aren't getting you know the appropriate amount of storyline that they should deserve, um, they're still somewhat treated as stars. Let's go to the forum, and we'll start off with Saeed from Vancouver. Great entertaining main event, yes, and with other fun matches sprinkled in, the women should have given should have been given more time. The Alexa-Bianca feud did not need Uncle Howdy as they had a story. I mean, the story is Alexa and Uncle Howdy. You have already gone in that direction, so this was not something new tonight. Um, the Nikki stuff, oh, that's right. There was a there was a portion where Graves and Kevin Patrick are on camera and Nikki Cross was behind them in, in the crowd, just kind of staring. Um, She's just been popping up like, like yeah. an Easter egg, you know, for yeah. several weeks. I mean, what's it leading to? I don't know. Could it yeah. be a sanity? Yeah. I mean, you, you would think like that uh, could be somewhere they go with that. If, if we're going to see uh, Eric Young on television in the near future. Maybe. Uh, do you guys see any titles changing hands next week? Um, I guess our options are the raw tag titles or the U.S. title. Um, I guess the U.S. title you, you could you could possibly uh, flip that onto Lashley if if you're going in a direction with Fury, um, like we've talked about. If it ends up with like him and Cena, for instance, like does that need a title? Right. Um, it just feels like it's so much flip-flopping, you know, of that U.S. championship. And have you already, like, you put it on, you took it off of Rollins and put it on, um, uh, uh, Theory for a reason. And have you done enough with what you want with Austin Theory? I, I almost feel like the Raw Tag Team Championships, if either are going to change, that might be more likely. Considering, considering the entire family is there and maybe having a Kevin Owens cost the Usos the championship, maybe having Sami Zayn cost the Usos somehow the championship, embarrassing them in front of the entire family, I think would be a significant plot point. Okay. So there, the answer is possible. We got a Jermaine from Chicago who says Raw was okay. Looking forward to the anniversary show next week. What are the chances we hear no chance in hell next week? Low, but not zero. I found the Becky Lynch Bailey talking segment good. I just don't like how they let women bleed in other promotions, but not WWE. Well, nobody can bleed in the WWE, uh, or nobody is supposed to. I suppose everybody is supposed to. Everything's okay. It um, makes the cage match seem less dangerous without blood. I want to ask you guys why this? Why is Hunter so scared to provide us with variety? All those guys in that match had been U.S. champions before. Why can't we have new or different talent have opportunities? How would it hurt to have some new guys in there? Well, um, 
they just wanted a main event, I think, of stars, um, or at least people that they perceived to be at a certain star level. And um, people like, like, like who, are, who are the people on Raw that you're lo- like, you could say Ali, sure. But I mean, he hasn't been been booked to be at that level. You could also argue Ziggler isn't either. And his um, story is that he's been neglected. You know, that's right. Ali's story. Like, wh- who are these people on on Raw that are that, that you've Montez Ford, you know, um, I don't know, Damian Priest. I don't think it would matter any. Um, but beyond that, I think they wanted at least the highest level of start that they currently have on the roster to fill the six roles. I mean, the story was for Lashley. So it's like any of these people you're putting in, they're, like, they're not winning. So um, You have to have yeah. people of a certain rank to be able to justify. I, I thought Rollins yeah. was... I thought Rollins was great in that match. Rollins is killing it every week in these main events on Raw. He like he he is to me the the clear best part of of Raw on a routine basis. Well, I thought I thought that Dominic was the best well, part of Raw. Dominic has something to offer too, but uh, but Rollins is uh, to me more, more valuable right now. Kate from Montreal, I like the main event which had which had bits to make all the men look good, and it seemed we're finally getting the Hurt Business back with the added Omos. If they let the group have the epic run they should have had the first time, I'll consider forgiving them. I guess I just don't know what it means for, like, Cedric and Shelton after today. Yeah, I mean, they're you need to really rehab those two because to me, they weigh the group down. The Like you have these main, you have a main eventer in Lashley. Omos is very protected, uh, but those two, like they have been totally written off for this last year and a half. And you're, you're still making them like the weak links in this whole thing. Like what are they adding to this uh, package beyond their history with the group? Well, they, they've, they, they've always been the weak links. They've always just kind of been the putty patrol, right. To, you know, for, for a Bobby Lashley, but to, tonight it just felt like they, they weren't on the same page. It felt like they, they would have every reason to not follow MVP. Uh, Kate goes on to say, other than that, not a lot clicked for me. Most surprisingly, the Becky Bailey segment, which might be the worst I've seen either woman do. I'm not even sure why it felt off, but it leaves me in the position of feeling ambivalent towards their match next week, which is one I'd previously been looking forward to for a long time. It was a, it was a rough promo segment with those two. Very rare. If the rumors of Vince making an appearance at the Rumble are true, do you think it's to help Austin Theory, his former protege? Also, everyone's asking, likely unlikely that Vince is on TV next Monday. Oh man, I listen. If they want, if they want to spark a number, um, they have the the history of like June. What happened to that week SmackDown? Sure. Um, beyond that, though, like beyond maybe definitely, uh, yeah, it would spike a number. Like for Vince, do you see him wanting to somehow use that to as an opportunity to further whatever agenda he has? Would it further his agenda? I mean, it's it's a chance for him to go out there and get a big pop, which he will get. Mm-hmm. And if they advertise it in advance, it's it's going to spike the audience. And that's more ammunition of his contributions in a positive way to this product. If you're Paul Levesque, though, and you are quelling all of the concerns of your locker room, the last thing I want is bringing this guy to TV and putting him on to my television right after I said he is just here to do the sale. He is not getting involved. I have the final say and he's going out there and getting a monster reaction, which he will get next week in front of 12,000 people. Uh, We're in Philly, right? Philly. Yeah. I guess I would at least maybe place some doubt, you know, considering like Philadelphia, at least to me seems like a a bit more of a, of a smart mark crowd. Um, But we'll see. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that happened, he got it would really it. surprise me for him not to get um, still an overly positive reaction. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, I 
I, I would certainly be against uh, him being on TV, but I, I do not think you can dismiss that idea. And I think a lot of people are going to speculate on it this week. I'm at least curious, like if he pops up in like archival footage next week, like if there's any. Oh, that for- I think will happen. I just think based on the way they cut the ad tonight was built around like Vince. Well, he's he's on so much of the of the show. You you sometimes can't really avoid it. But I'm also curious, like if the crowd reacts a certain way, positive or negative, to just seeing Vince on screen. So. Yeah, we'll see. Chris from Yonkers says, good evening. I watched Raw from my couch tonight, not from behind the wheel of a moving vehicle. Lesson learned. I'm glad you learned that, Chris. My main takeaway from tonight is that I have no idea what the face heel dynamic is in the Raw tag team division. Are the heels, are the Usos heels versus a face judgment day? Are the judgment day heels versus a face Alpha Academy? Are they all heels? Are the Street Profits the only tag team left on Raw that are baby faces? Do the OC count? Um, yeah, I'm, the OC doesn't count right now because they're uh, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah. I I can understand if you're like maybe a new viewer tuning in tonight that that would confuse you. I suppose like I I think in tonight's cases and in many cases there there there's room for you know for lack of a better word shades of gray type of matchmaking when you have two heels taken on each other when you have two babyface teams taken on each other and at that point you just kind of pick your favorites um and there's something likable enough certainly about the usos and there's something likable enough certainly about the judgment day that can gravitate and swing the crowd one way or another so i also um, lean towards a fresh match next week with the usos and the judgment day that for one week I think you can you can play around with with different roles. I I don't think this is you know um, a, a sign of like weak characters. I think it's just you're taking you know different different factions and mixing them up for a week of just um, sort of an interesting style match. I don't view it as a as a big negative, uh, n- not a negative at all, to be honest. Okay, um, very important question. Chris also has here: Why are they referring to Lashley as the all space mighty instead of the almighty one word the all space mighty implies there's a partly mighty or semi mighty just seems strange this is also the company that has uh, made up uh, anniversaries they also love to capitalize letters in the middle of a word sometimes join words together that are not one word together the almighty is definitely a yeah a vince thing you know, like, I don't, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's an SEO thing because I don't know who's typing in the almighty Bobby Lashley when they're looking for Bobby Dude, Lashley. The, the, the thing that's out of control is the Seth freaking Rollins because on commentary yeah. tonight, like Austin Theory always does it. But then you had Graves and Patrick also throughout the match calling it were saying Seth freaking Rollins. It was just nonstop. Like that one is out of control. And, and I like, is there that much like what is the benefit i suppose some people might lo- really like it you know he's like is it more memorable than just calling him seth rollins the idea is like you hammer people over the head and they repeat out of just pure submission to your constant barrage of reminders but why what's like what's the benefit to either seth rollins or, or the wwe company every single time you look at him you think seth freaking rollins it becomes mm-hmm. your every why does that benefit like, why does it benefit the product to call him Seth freaking Rollins versus Seth Rollins? Because we don't we don't advertise Seth Rollins. Our character is Seth freaking Rollins, and we're going to remind everybody what that branding is. Oh, all right, okay. 
Last word of the night goes to Muggin. Solid show that did more to heat up Raw's 30th anniversary. The main event was entertaining, and MVP, MVP and Omos assisting Lashley might lead to a Hurt Business reboot. I'm left with more questions about the Rumble as it pertains to the WrestleMania main event. Does Cody's announcement of his return ahead of time mean a bigger surprise is in store? The Bloodline are going to have a busy night with every generation of the Bloodline showing up. I can see Rikishi, Afa, Sika, and I can see Twitter exploding if a certain great one may or may not be there. It's going to be the speculation, I suppose. Um, I think it's very unlikely, but you know, maybe some presence from The Rock might might be possible. I think that's as much I would personally expect. Um, let, let, let's remember that they did stage a pay per view built around the anniversary of The Rock's debut that mm-hmm. he did not show up for. So. Hey, let's talk about this from Dwayne Johnson's perspective. Okay, he's not exactly been receiving the best headlines in the media these days, just uh, for you know, due to the failed performance of, of Black Adam and. Uh, I guess other, you know, like lack, lack of um, box office successes he's had recently. If you're Dwayne Johnson, do you at least, you know, dip your foot into the water of this possible WrestleMania match with, by sending a video or some, something next week? Um, I mean, it's, it's, to me, I'd kick it off at the Rumble. Like, I don't think you need need to do it on on this show. Like, I would want to drive people towards the, the Rumble with something. Um, to send in a message, um, yeah, I, I, I don't expect it. I, I, I would go with something subtle during this segment that alludes to something bigger coming, if you're going in, in that direction. but Right. Yeah. Um, does Cody's announcement of his return ahead of time mean a bigger surprise is in store? Um, it's possible, but, I mean, I would say, like, Cody's announcement was not really going to be that big of a surprise to most people anyway. Um, because I think a lot of people, this is the smart play. Like this is the story going into the rumble, like triple H, you know, in 2002, like it's so painfully obvious that like, it's almost wrong if he doesn't win it. Um, but it could mean that they've got something else. I mean, do you, you know, I certainly, uh, would expect the, you know, standard amount of legends maybe making their appearances in the rumble. Yeah, the ones that aren't booked on Monday, they can get invited on Saturday. Right, yeah. Okay, we're going to bid everyone a good night, so thanks for tuning in to Rewind to Raw. We're back. Tuesday night, double-double ice cap and espresso patrons. We will have small talk. What do you want to talk about? Man, I'll I'll give you an update on this canker sore. Maybe you'll tell me what what movie you may have partially watched um, by tomorrow. What movie that I have partially watched tomorrow? I'm saying maybe you'll have time to partially watch a movie that's okay. not two hours. Um, perhaps. You're right. Maybe I'll, I'll watch the first 30 minutes and give you a, a report. So that is coming up on Tuesday. Wednesday night, we are live. 10 Eastern here on the channel. Do subscribe. Give us a, a thumbs up. Feedback on every single platform that we exist on. Video.youtube.com. There's levels to this. So check it all out. Uh, we appreciate all your fanfare and... Uh, congratulations that you give us on a daily basis we we do appreciate it very much and that's it goodbye we hope you liked the show if you didn't you know what we tried now we're going to sleep goodbye